my avatar had a slightly smaller nose than me, and he was taller and thinner and more muscular, and he didn't have any teenage acne. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. This week, we're chatting with Nika Harper, YouTuber and writer extraordinaire from the Geek and Sundry vlog channel. And we'll wrap this week about what we've been watching, reading, and playing. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. We are beyond excited to welcome our guest this week, Nika Harper. Nika is a Slytherin and a featured vlogger on Geek and Sundry's vlog channel, starring in two different shows. She was doing wordplay for a while, and now she has story time, with ha- which has a focus on video games. So welcome to the show, Nika. We're so glad to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really pumped to be here. All right. We're, we're always glad when people are excited to be on the show. <laughs> You're like, it helps, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> Absolutely. So why don't you give us a little bit of a background about yourself before we sort of jump into our questions here? Oh, absolutely. Um, let's see. I'm living in Southern California, and I pretty much always have. And I was always a gamer, always a writer, kind of like balancing those two things throughout my life. And uh, as I grew up, I grew into both of those careers kind of on a completely random scale. I have no idea how I got here, but what do you know? Um, I've been working <laughs> in the video games industry for um, about five years um, and also doing a lot more uh, focusing on writing nowadays. Cool. That's awesome. Oh, I didn't know you were working in the gaming industry. What, what What's your role? Um, I used to work as a community manager. Um, I worked at Telltale Games for about a year, and that was, oh, my heavens, uh, three, four years ago. And I worked at a company called Riot Games on the League of oh, Legends. Yes. Yeah, we know Riot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did the Summoner Showcase with them. And uh, there was it was a really, really big video that showcased fan art and just uh, things that people were doing within the community. Anything creative uh, just got onto that show and just shared with the rest of the fans so it was a fantastic experience to just be meeting all of these really talented creative people and kind of spreading word um that that you know this company appreciates you and we love the stuff that you're doing just as much as everyone else does and keep making it and uh i did that for about two years and it was such a fantastic experience and even nowadays like i'll still meet people who are like are you nikasaur and oh my god i submitted this thing and you know i i I still love my cosplayers and my fan artists and everybody it's great oh that's fantastic and so do you do you play league of legends Yes, I, I okay. played it um, enough to uh, really, really love it. This was three years ago when it was just out mm-hmm. of beta. Right. And all my friends are playing it already. And I was up in San Francisco, which is very expensive. And I didn't have a lot of money. And so I, I was just like, I can't afford this game that you guys are playing. They're like, it's free. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best games. I was like crazy. And at the time, like I knew that free to play was going to be like the kind of the next big thing within the industry. I'd seen it a lot um, in a lot of different companies. Gaia Online was doing a lot of that kind of stuff. It's like the freemium concept. Mm -hmm. And uh, other Puzzle Pirates was another big one back in the day. And 
I loved the company. I loved what they were doing. And when I started, it was only about 70 people. Like I moved back down to LA to be a part of it. Um, so it's like 70 people in the company. Now it's like so many more than that. It's, it's just insanity. Yeah. Um, and I still love them so much. There's so many incredible people who work at Riot. Yeah, it's uh, League of Legends and Riot Games has a, has a really passionate fan base. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, it goes passionate. That's why I pick passionate. <laughs> like, yeah. Passionate can oh. be very good. Passionate can be not so good. <laughs> so, you know, but, but they are very engaged and enthusiastic. I've seen them at, um, they always have a big event at PAX. Oh, yeah. You know, with people watching and people who go to watch people playing League of Legends. And it always amazes me to look at the line of people who are waiting to watch people game. Yeah, like uh, they've they've really pushed esports along mm-hmm. in a really big way. Um, yeah, have, yeah, it's it's been you know the the path of esports was already going in such an, a great direction, and I think that Riot really really wanted to push it to a new place. I mean, they sold out the Staples Center for the World Championships, mm-hmm. and. Wow how amazing is that and it sold out so quickly like it was it was just gone and just a phenomenal and ex- like incredible experience and we like I don't even know where they're going from now but I I give them nothing but my support oh awesome very nice well I've heard a lot lately about how gaming companies are actually hiring writers to do the storylines for their games and stuff is that something you'd be interested in doing Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, ever since I was uh, a, a writer and, and a, like a person who takes these two, at the time, disparate uh, mm-hmm. like things, gaming didn't always have like a heavy narrative storyline. Mm-hmm. And neither did, uh, you know, writing didn't have a lot of interactive interactivity to it. And we're in this kind of new world and this new environment where everything is interactive and everything has a storyline. And, you know, where, where do these things meet? Mm-hmm. And so we're finding a lot more game types uh, uh, that are emergent, emergent stories, uh, narrative, particularly things like Gone Home, Stanley Parable, uh, Kentucky Route Zero, things that I love. Those, I, those are like some of my favorite games of the year. <laughs> uh, and then other ones where you can actually build your own game in a very similar way, which is things like Twine. So more and more, I think we're going to see more uh, game style stories uh, or, or like interactive fiction as it may be. But uh, you know, as for me personally, getting involved in that would be amazing. I, I don't know. Who, I, I've never written a game. I don't know how. <laughs> it would be a whole new experience, but I would totally jump at the chance to be a part of something like that. Well, it certainly seems like it would be a natural meshing of, you know, your two interests. I would, I would certainly hope so, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah. Companies seem to have different ideas about these oh, things. Oh, they do, Definitely. <laughs> That's that's definitely for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I, I really do love the way that um, I think the the video games industry in general is really seeing those patterns emerge with things mm-hmm. like The Last of Us. The Last of Us proved that you can have this this incredible and very cinematic and, and wonderful story in a game and also have a great game attached to it. That's why it was so many people's game of the year. Right. So I think that within the next two years, we're going to be seeing that as as a huge new trend, which is going to be a very cinematic and and really um, like story-like experience that actually kind of touches you right in the heart. Yeah, I see that too. I see that, uh, you know, with Telltale and um, The Walking Dead, and I know they're working on a Game of Thrones game now, right? Yeah, that's what I've heard recently. Yeah, so I think that taking, and and I think it's genius of them to take these sort of successful um, you know, book to TV show, you know, uh, graphic novel to TV show franchises and to make games out of them where you actually get to go and 
have that interactive experience with those characters. I mean, that's that's a stroke of genius as far as I'm concerned in terms of looking at literature and how literature is evol- evolving. Yeah, and like there's there's so many of those um, those kind of games which can kind of fall flat, where mm-hmm. it's it's the same story but in game form, and, and you kind of don't want that as much. You want yeah. a, a higher interactive experience or kind of an alternate like way of enveloping right. yourself into that world. Well, that was always my disappointment because I am also a huge Harry Potter fan. Oh, yes, and that was al- always my disappointment with the Harry Potter games was there it wasn't a new experience. It was like here you can go in and you can you know you can play these characters that you love, which is you know satisfying on some level but misses that sort of creative spark you want to have of seeing something new and being engaged in that world in a new way I was actually thinking just the exact same thing with my friend recently where um you know I I'm huge into like the Potterverse so Mm -hmm. like I talked to my wizard rocket friends and um (laughs) and and I was over at Alex Carpenter's house and we're we're doing a vlog it's coming out like tomorrow and he we were talking about it and he's a huge gamer as well and so I was like why don't we have like that one definitive like Harry Potter style game we want to be in this world so Mm -hmm. much and there's there's no MMOs there's no games and if it is it's like it's a really tight kind of thing like you're working with such a like very strict IP um, mm-hmm. whether or not for Warner Brothers or because you know JK's very uh, you know she's very protective of it right um, but oh more than anything we would just love to walk around in that world just a little bit more and Pottermore is really helpful with that mm-hmm. but it still is a book in a exactly. lot of ways right exactly so, it's it's really fascinating to see what they're going to do with it next. I mean, I you know the movies are going to be coming out. Um, like there's going to be so much more and and really different experiences to have. But why isn't that like officially in the game space yet? So right. That's exactly. Uh, can you imagine if you had a game and you you know you'd start in in Hogwarts at the beginning of Hogwarts and you'd go through instead of leveling you would go through the grades of Hogwarts. Yes. Oh, I'd love to be a student. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, it would be so awesome. It would just, it would just blow my mind. Like, I think it would, it would just astound everybody. Yeah. Everyone really, really wants this more than they say that they do. Yeah. I know, like, 30-year-old people, like, people who are hardcore gamers of all kinds, huge tattoos and everything, who would just be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to be a Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They would be on that. It would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Couldn't wait. Right. <laughs> And you'd have different experiences it would be depending on which house you started out in. And I mean, it would just be, there'd be so much. <laughs> yeah. And, and the hope- ride, the riding experience, I mean, the baseline for creating that and the, the different powers and levels and grades and the type of character that you could build. I mean, th- there's a whole um, huge riding experience just of the mythos to start mm-hmm. with. That would exactly. be so much fun. Yeah. Just that universe is is so expansive that there's there's not a part of it that you don't want to explore. Exactly. And so that's the hardest part is figuring out what to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Hogwarts seems to be the jam. So <laughs> if, if that yeah. first, then that's great. Um, and then past that, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lots of possibilities. Well, we'll have to start um, petitioning. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put, like, stuff on the internet. here. Exactly. <laughs> I was out reading um, a couple of your otherlings today, uh, mm-hmm. Ginger and Ove. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yes. Um, it's either Ove or Ove, n- no matter what. It's it's all good. <laughs> the, I mean, to me, when I was looking at those, and especially with uh, the wonderful artwork that you got partnered with, I mean, those look like potential video games or interactive stories to me. Absolutely. Um, we, you know, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday Wolf uh, is an incredible 
uh, artist. I actually met him through my old work at the showcase and, um, He's just fantastic to work with. We've been working on the next story since um, I think about Halloween. It's like I, I keep getting really excited about it. I'm just like, when is it coming out? So hopefully soon. But, uh, you know, like these it, it's been an absolute dream to be pairing with him and talking like both of us through this idea that we had, which was just like, really screwed up fairy tales and, you know, this this kind of expansive world that I know that he can do. And he is actually looking into making his own game. Uh, he's we've discussed it back and forth, like uh, on the occasional times when we actually see each other. Um, and that's going to be kind of his new thing. And so if we can kind of integrate that into, again, a more interactive experience for otherlings and then also his own particular brand of game then that would just be fantastic but i know that's something he's already looking at so yeah cool. like your calendars on that <laughs> yeah yeah that would be cool that or a graphic novel but i mean i could just i kept wanting to know more about the characters that were in that story and that's a very good sign yeah i you know the first one that i did the the ov story um he drew these little egg men and I was like, I want to write a story about them. And he's like, okay, do it. And so, like, the other ones were a little bit different. They were much more egg-like. But then I wrote actual egg people. Um, and seeing it, actually, seeing the way that he drew it out and really made it is just, it's such an incredible experience for someone who has no artistic talent whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> I can't draw my own stuff. But seeing something that you wrote really come to life in this fantastic and like very spectacular way was really enlightening to me. And I'm so happy every day that I get to work with him on that. Yeah. Oh. He's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Rhonda's an artist. So she always sort of gravitates towards the, the visual representation. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So, wow, this is, this, you guys are like, packing it with, with really awesome stuff. We get like a writing teacher and artist. <laughs> And I'm like, I am with my people right now. Yes. <laughs> I told you I was, I was so, ex I got so distracted looking at your stuff today. It was just really hard to work. I was like, oh, look, this is so awesome. I am both sorry and happy. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah check out more of his stuff if you haven't. He's, he's been working tons on a lot of stuff, especially video game style stuff, um, okay. which is just fantastic. And like, yeah, he's, he's got so much awesome things to see. Cool. Very cool. So, so how did you transition? How did you get to this point where you took these two loves you had, sort of, you know, games and writing, and then how did vlogging get mixed into all of this? Like, how did that come about? Oh, that's uh, back when I was working at Riot. Oh, man, even farther be beyond that. Um, when I was playing World of Warcraft, I was on the same server as Felicia was. Oh. So uh, we, we sort of met up at BlizzCon, and she recognized our guild, and we recognized her. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, shocker. <laughs> and ever since then, we kind of kept in touch a little bit here and there. Um, I was an extra on the guild, and, you know, she, she kind of saw um, the Summoner Showcaser being a part of Riot and was just like, oh my God, like, Nick, what are you doing? This is amazing. Um, so she was like incredibly supportive throughout that entire thing that I was, I was so happy. And uh, when they decided they wanted to do something like the vlogs channel, um, they kind of came to me and was just, hey, do you want to work on this? And I go, yes, absolutely. Wow. I was going to start up my own vlog. I was going to um, kind of try to get more into the personal side of the YouTube space as opposed to this, the uh, videos that I was doing with Riot. Mm -hmm. And uh, she kind of asked, what would I be 
interested in, in talking about. And wordplay was my my number one favorite choice. I, I really loved that idea. I was going to do that on my own, and I'm I'm still going to at this point. Um, even if, you know, like, it's kind of one of those, oh, I have this idea. If you guys want it, that's really cool. But if not, I'm going to do it anyway. And that's <laughs> yeah. what they were looking for, was something that's, like, so passionate about that you can't mm-hmm. stop yourself from making it. And that went, that was, what, May of last year? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's uh, transitioned ever since to now when um, we have the new video games blog uh, called uh, Story Mode, which is kind of the marriage of those of those two ideas. Um, I love so many games that don't have a story almost at all. Mm-hmm. And part of the fun of playing them is thinking, what would I be like in this situation? You know, right. <laughs> if I walked up and like had to kill 500 zombies in a row, how would I be handling this? You know, and. <laughs> Uh, I, I kind of like jumping into that world. It's just another little imaginative element that I wanted to kind of uh, pair up in that particular way. Well, that was one of the things I really loved about the first story mode um, video that you have out about Minecraft. Yeah. And and you going in and, and like creating a character and, and because that's part of what I saw in my research was that, you know, that drive to, to write your narrative within a structured game space. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just, I love the, you know, the scarecrow and the, you know, finding a wife. And it was just, it was really, you know, fun. But it was also showed people that there are different ways to engage the game that they might not have otherwise known. Yeah, that was uh, part of the fun of doing that was kind of that I'm kind of a bad gamer. Uh, <laughs> I play a lot of games and I don't think I excel at almost any of them. <laughs> I don't understand. I will fail at kids' games. I don't get it. So, um, you know, I, when I'm talking about games in, in general, um, you know, when, when they came to me and said, hey, do you want to do, like, a take more of a video game slant? My only idea is, well, I can just keep making fun of myself playing games for a really long time. And that gets old after a while. Right. But what if I did kind of, like, challenges almost? And I'm like, what if it was challenge mode where I tried to do something and I'm like, I would never win it. Right. How can... Even if I set the challenge for myself, I would never actually succeed. So uh, I did a kind of a mix of that, which would be the idea that, um, you know, that you can experience a game from a different perspective in a different way of actually playing it. And uh, Anthony Birch, actually, who works at Gearbox and is just a brilliant guy, um, he has a blog called Different Way to Play or Different Ways to Play. And it's all about that, which is like alternative ways of playing a game like Gunpoint and the No Violence Run and and some other ways of doing things that are necessarily harder, um, but certainly unique takes and perspectives on how to actually play through that particular game. So I pretty much stole his idea, but then made it silly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Anthony. I appreciate it. I'm going to have to check out that blog. I think I've read some of his other stuff. Didn't he write about, um, oh God, I can't think of her name, Ellie, the character from uh, Borderlands. Wasn't he writing about her at one point? I think probably. I think there was something. The name is familiar enough, so it's like sticking in my head. But Yeah, he he was a lead writer on Borderlands 2. Okay, yeah. So Uh, I I think it was Ellie that he was writing about, like, the empowerment story behind Ellie and some of the quests that she had. Golly, that was a long time ago. Yeah, Yeah. he he wrote so much of this, of the the current stories. Um, He, there was really so much that he's done. Um, He also used to work, he uh, is essentially half of Hey Ash, What You Playin'. Oh, right. Make that. So he's he's just all over the place with the game space and just mm-hmm. always silly. But um, I really think that some of the silliest people are some of the smartest in the industry as well. <laughs> like he can balance that so beautifully. 
Yeah, well, there's something about going with that approach where, you know, kind of of like the old saying, you know, you you get more flies with honey than vinegar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're more (laughs) likely to to have your, I I think, and this is my personal bias, to have your message accepted if it's in that kind of mode rather than wagging a finger at somebody. Absolutely. I think that there's an element to um, enticing people to see things your way Mm -hmm. and like if demanding that they do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look at this as opposed to do you want to check this out? And I do that a lot with even uh, with viewpoints that I don't understand because that's how you learn and how you grow and how you see other perspectives on Mm -hmm. things. As a writer, that's extremely important Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of Mm -hmm. see the other side of them, even if you don't agree. Yeah. Jump right in. Just see what happens. Um, and I, I think that he does that also exceptionally well in a lot of those ways, too. Um, that's what I liked about your uh, wordplay vlogs, because there's <clears throat> not just an, an element of silliness in general, but the ideas that you throw out for the challenges. It tones down the anxiety that so many people feel approaching, you know, the blank page. It, if you're kind of a little silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know what, I absolutely agree with that. And all I can say is that some of the prompts that came in are just the funniest things ever. If I could publish just those things, yeah, <laughs> they're amazing. Like some of these people, like I, I'm not going to write that, but they should. I've sometimes failed. Those <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this is a brilliant premise for everything. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit too specific for the show, but you need to write this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of the, some of the best ones were like, you know, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I couldn't even think of it. Just, just the syntax of it was beautiful. But, uh, I, I really think that there is a sort of fear of writing in a lot of ways, which is something that, um, people have a hard time getting over. You know, you're always comparing yourselves to people who are published and well-known and, and all of that stuff. But there's really no way of knowing, like you can take a look at art and know almost immediately whether it's, it's like, you know, talented or not. You can kind of see, and you can see the growth pattern a lot easier than you can with writing. Uh, mm-hmm. writing is, it requires a lot more attention to actually see those differences. And so it's, it's a lot harder to gauge your own progress. And when people are sitting down at that empty document, you know, where do I start? How do you get your ideas? Well, here's a couple ideas, roll with them or don't. Like if you're feeling particularly inspired, go nuts. Uh, But here's something else you can write about. What is the first thing that you feel when you hear the word, word dismal? And they go, oh, dismal, I think of this. And you're just like, well, write something. <laughs> like, right. it's, it's all about um, getting comfortable with the idea of actually writing. And then those, those ideas will pop out at you even when unprompted. Is, yeah. that, is that what you experience, Regina, that you, you, you agree that it's oh, kind yeah. of hard to see the progress? Oh, absolutely. The growth in writing? I, I, I see that with, you know, when I teach a semester long, you know, composition class, you know, first year composition where students are coming from often from high school, but but sometimes, you know, they're reentry students and they're coming from other lives that they've had that haven't had writing as a component to it. And they will come in and they'll think that they need to write in perfect format from the beginning. And that's one of those big walls I have to kind of break down. It's like, no, there we have drafts for a reason. You know, we yeah. draft through this. We, you know, we work through this. Nothing that you're reading in the newspaper or in a novel or in a short story or even, you know, the scripts you, you see acted out on TV are a first draft. Yeah, there's there's an incredible pressure mm-hmm. um, of, of the perfection of writing. Exactly. Um, 
which has always confused me. I've seen it happen to my friends. I've definitely mm-hmm. seen it happen to myself. And those moments where, oh, this is terrible. I'm only a paragraph in. It's like, then rewrite the paragraph. Right. Or start right. at the b- middle. Yeah. Like, do whatever makes you feel comfortable with writing so long as you do it. Yeah. And after that, you'll get more into, you'll, you'll get comfortable with the entire process of it. Mm-hmm. it. It is intimidating. Yeah, I tell my students, and when I teach in uh, technologically advanced classrooms, like where they have computers that they're working on, I make them turn off the screen um, when Ooh. they're working on their drafts. And I actually do this myself a lot, or I will put a, um, a scarf or something over the screen so I can't actually look at what I'm writing while I'm writing, Mm. especially in the initial phases of writing, because that inner critic I have that wants to get like every word right, I Mm. never would have written my dissertation had I not not looked at the screen when I was (laughs) writing. Wow. (laughs) Because I get so hypersensitive to is this in the right place? Am I saying this right? That I I lose you lose your train of thought for that. Mm -hmm. And you lose that creative momentum that's kind of getting you in the moment of writing. And, and when students are really stu- stuck, sometimes I'll say, well, you know, start out a sentence. This is what I really want to say and see what comes out, because then maybe you'll figure out more of what you're trying to get to. So, you know, there's strategies to break down those walls, but they are definitely very real things. I read an article once that was talking about writer's block and mm-hmm. how they're like, you know, some people say writer's block is a thing. Some people say it's not a thing. Um, and he said that it was an excess of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I went, yep, like you're thinking too much, and you're exactly. not writing enough. So turn off the brain, turn off the monitor, turn off whatever you have to, right. um, and just see what happens and comes out. And yeah. then after that, that's that's how you write. Yeah. And then you, there's always time to go back and make sure that comma's in the right place. Of course. <laughs> you don't have to get it in the right place at the first time. You know, and I do a lot of writing. I make my students in my writing classes produce copious amounts of writing. It's not all stuff that I write. I tell them it's not all going to be, you know, fantastic, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. creations. But sometimes it's just getting the words out on the paper that are, you know, more important than anything else. Totally. Yeah. Well, what, I, I take it that you um, write mostly fiction. Is that correct? This is true. Um, I that's where I've always felt most comfortable it was mostly short stories. I get a little confused if it's novel based because then it's just so long um my attention span is kind of everywhere so um and i tend to focus more on moments than i do on on particular like long plot lines um so it's mostly fiction um there's some other things like of poetry there's a little bit of blogging here and there um but always kind of with that overview of uh storytelling that i try to impart what genre do you mostly work in that is difficult <laughs> is people a genre i do a lot of yes sure, why not <laughs> uh, make it one <laughs> yeah. uh, i don't i don't know sometimes i'm working a lot mostly like in the fantasy or like you know like current kind of space um uh-huh. because because people are really fascinating to me and i kind of like seeing that but it's it's really wherever the um the inspiration goes or comes from like i could look at a, a crow and then just write a story about crows and I don't know. Like, it's just, it's, it's really hard to, to say. I think that I'm most comfortable probably with more of the, the fantasy and uh, just general fiction category, though. Is that because so, that's what you've read mostly? Uh, I've read a lot of stuff. I really mm-hmm. suck at sci-fi. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> I, I do, read, too, actually. Yeah. I, I read a lot of sci-fi. I, I play, like, Mass Effect and stuff. And, like... I just, I can't write good sci-fi and I've tried, Um, but you know, I, I think that I, I do read a lot of that kind of stuff. Like I think, um, 
some of my absolute favorites, which are, you know, just going down the list of ones that everyone loves, which are obviously like Neil Gaiman, uh, Ray Bradbury, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Terry Pratchett, you know, like the, the high up there, particularly usually British writers, um, the ones that everyone knows about and, and, and so forth. But I think that finding those categories and especially the things like Douglas Adams, you know, Douglas right. Adams uh, or like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Discworld have very similar writing styles and yet for completely different uh, stories that are being told and one's sci-fi and one's fantasy. So I kind of liked that, like bipping back and forth between those and mm-hmm. kind of seeing like that the genre does not denote the style that is being said. Right, right. And kind of mixing things together and making your own. Yeah, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I read a lot of short stories. So everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it was a series that I was working on, I don't even know. I'm, I'm working on a, on a couple of them that's been like, you know, just way too long. And I haven't even gotten the first one out yet. And like things like young adult fiction, which I think is fantastic. And um, a lot of kind of gritty uh, noir style stuff, you know, just just a lot of exciting, whatever excites me at the time, I want to write it. Yeah, I actually have a friend who's a novelist. And his first book was essentially, you know, chapters of short stories that were, you know, on the same theme and on about about his it was loosely autobiographical about his experiences in the Peace Corps. So they were all based in Africa and about, you know, living in a small um, um, community there. Um, But they weren't it wasn't a traditional novel in that sense. It really was sort of like pieces. And he was a short story writer. So it was sort of a natural progression for him and then his next novel went into actually being like you know not actually being his first one was a novel too but having that more like sophisticated uh plot devices going on so yeah kind of an overarching Mm -hmm. experience exactly exactly so it was really interesting to kind of watch that progression for him too so well it kind of sounds like that your your stories are very character driven which is something that regina and i talk about all Mm -hmm. the time on the show about when we talk about shows that succeed or fail, a, a very common co- characteristic tends to be that they've got very good character development. I, I absolutely agree. And we're seeing this a lot more in, um, in you know, games and such, too, yeah. where mm-hmm. people like people but sometimes they don't like people. So sometimes they'll avoid people to play games about people. Right. And I think this is weird, but also fantastic. Cause that's what I always did. Like mm-hmm. there's a huge social element to uh, being involved in any kind of story and, and like, you know, associating yourself with any kind of character. There is something that you're feeling that maybe that's you, or maybe that's someone that you admire, or maybe that's like someone like your mom. And you're like, man, I really miss my mom. I'm going to read this book that reminds me of my mom. So it's this kind of fascinating thing that people really want to connect. And it could be with people. It could be with characters or, or anything, but more and more, um, I, I think that any kind of artistic and, and genre, as it as it may be, uh, will be focusing on that on on the characters as as it is because yeah, it, you know, everyone has their favorite movie character or their favorite moment of that, and it's kind of a no brainer. 
but for some people it isn't, I guess. No, it's really not. I have that question as an introduction question early in my classes sometimes when my students are starting to do icebreakers and get to know each other, and I'll be like, who's your favorite character from a game, movie, book, you know, whatever, and I put them all up there, and I swear some students are just like, I don't know. (laughs) They're like, what? (laughs) How can you not know this? This is like the easiest question ever, but, you know, if it's, you know, that sometimes it just doesn't resonate for people, I guess, the same way it might for others. Yeah, but like uh, under no character no like, I know nothing nothing like yeah. TV books and and anything I always become a little bit more suspicious of those students <laughs> yeah you should I know right I'm like I don't know what's wrong here but something's wrong because you should have somebody who pops in your head even if it's like Charlie Brown or you know some you know some kid's story or whatever that you liked as a kid you know yeah and, and whether or not you know, those people could be shy or they could just be like not engaged or, or yeah. something. But that's such an odd answer to give. Yeah. And we are just bombarded with characters on an everyday basis. Yeah. Even commercials have things like characters in them. Yeah. Yes. Re- reoccurring like flow from, you know, whatever yeah. it is, you know. Yeah, exactly. The, the gecko, you know. <laughs> They're all over the place. The Old Spice guy. Everyone's like, yeah, man, exactly. Old Spice guy. That's right. a totally legitimate thing to put up on that board. Yes, <laughs> Who's exactly. your favorite character? Old Spice guy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just, it's fascinating it's an, it's an interesting thing to see but like I said I do actually become a little suspicious of them I'm like hmm something's missing here <laughs> well, see I always me? think about um, the, the uh, story high fidelity oh yeah Any, anytime you get asked you know what's your top five best this it's like yeah well okay now wait a minute I have to narrow it down to five. to five. Oh, <laughs> I am the worst for that I will be honest yeah. Like uh-huh. I'm, I love everything in a big way, and I will forget half the things that I love in favor yes. of other things that I also love. And so I'm like, no, wait, go back. I like ramen better than I like pho. Like, I will yeah, forget. you know, it's just, it's <laughs> fascinating. Um, yeah. But then again, I'm hyper passionate, so yeah. I'm that guy. Well, we've done a, f- a, co- a few shows where we've picked our top five, you know, female heroes or our top five robots, and it's always like, you know, preparing for those shows is always painstaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because you're just like, oh, man. Or you don't want to forget the one that you love the most. That's the thing. I'm always like, there's always somebody I'm going to forget. Or afterward, I'm like, why didn't I say, you know, and I'm like smacking myself on the head. And why didn't I say so-and-so, you know? It's always somebody I miss. (laughs) Yeah. That's, um, I I was talking about Alex Carpenter. And we actually just did um, the, a a vlog where we talked about the, it was going to be top five Harry Potter villains. And they were just like, well, what do we define as a villain anyway? And so we're just like, how about a couple villain moments? Just a right. couple that we're going to talk about. So yeah. we ended up narrowing those down pretty well to like, you know, the most like ferocious, I could be a villain because that's the coolest thing I've ever seen moment in the books. And I loved it. Yeah. And, um, but we, we were kind of there and like talking for about 45 minutes just through all of the characters and all of these experiences. And eventually we're just like, that sounds fine. Like there's a million of those moments. We'll just go with those three. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at some point you have to stop the brainstorming. (laughs) We didn't want to, mind you. It just became time. I can understand. (laughs) It can become a drug. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your gaming history? How how early did you start gaming? Uh, I mean, I was born in 1985, so Nintendo was already out with their NES, and I got that, but man, I was 
such a failure at things like Mario. Um, <laughs> everyone else, again, it was one of those things where it's like I had an older sister, so she tended to play the games a little bit better than me, probably because of just coordination. Mm-hmm. I think that she's a legitimately better gamer than I am, um, but she doesn't really play them that often, and I'm more passionate about them, so I think it's like an unusual thing. Balances um, itself out kind of in a way. I guess. Yeah. Like, I should give her more games, but she she doesn't often play them, and then it sort of breaks my heart, because I was like, please, I need to see the last level, and you're the only person. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube has helped with that a lot, actually, because yeah. now I can see the last level without my sister. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we grew up in a really PC-oriented family, so um, my grandfather always had computers, and we had extra computers in the house, um, and there was always all these discs and things with shareware because grandpa would just download them and put them on discs and uh you know flipping through we started looking at stuff that was kind of interesting there were games on there sometimes we had to find them and they were usually very strangely labeled so um flipping through floppies everywhere uh we were like turbo tax is that that sounds kind of fun and then there was moments where you would you would jump upon games like uh, Crystal Caves or like any of the Apogee games and uh, Duke Nukem, like the first one, Shrapnel City, which oh, I yeah. loved. Uh, it was that one. It, it, you were like, it starts off the year is 1987 or sorry. No, the year is 1997. Dr. Proton and his army of tech bots have taken over New York City. And I'm just like, we're in we're like, we're in, <laughs> in that moment so much. Um, you know, it's it, it's just like old tacky press control to jump sort of games and I love those I still go back to those consistently I'm like crazy about uh old school PC games and after that it was it was just a smattering of things here and there and I got mostly back into it and convinced my parents that gaming was not a bad thing um when I was in my teen years and got hugely into a lot of RTS games like uh Age of Empires and um and a lot of Starcraft back then and some Warcraft 3 which then turned into MMOs like Ultima Online and like World of Warcraft, which satiated the social aspect of me. Because mm. um, I was always in chat rooms and online, and I was like a web admin for like three different fan sites of whatever. And then I could get that within a video game where I could be a talking cow right. and talk to people who were orcs. And I was like, this is my jam. <laughs> and that sort of begat everything that has been happening for the last like 10 or so years of my life which is just social gaming and then you know gaming as a, as a general release or or exciting kind of thing and eventually I got into games because of it because community management is essentially that <laughs> do you like people you like games great do both of those things <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's it I, I had a similar experience playing um, World of Warcraft when I first started picking it up. I thought, like, oh, here is this great thing, like this world that I've been enmeshed in on my own for most of the time by myself. Now I get to have, like, other people I can play this game with. And it really does satisfy a certain a, a certain type of person, I think, is really satisfied by that experience. Yeah, and, and like you said, like, uh, with – there's – when inviting anyone else into your experience, it's always kind of a balance. You mm-hmm. never know if it's going to be, uh, there's just going to be a whole bunch of trolls and people being mean, right. or there's going to be like a fantastically unique individual that, you know, like m- my friend group, and I would dare say probably some of my only friend groups um, that I've been in have been part of guilds, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they all happen to be in L.A., and I happen to meet them through some kind of weird turn of events. And, like, you know, nowadays we – it's, you know, 
I don't know, nine years later, and we're still all spending New Year's together, and maybe none of us play, but they're still my guild, and they're still like kind of my gaming family. Right. And to have those connections within that experience was something that I'd been sorely lacking up until that point. And it really made a difference and pretty much made me glued to my computer for gaming purposes more than I ever had been. Hmm. So you played Horde then? Of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've played a lot of Alliance as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that it's actually a fun experience. I, I... tend to really like gnomes. Gnomes are pretty awesome. Uh, There's something about being so small and so powerful that's just kind of... They're so cute! You're a little rogue and you can stab people in the kneecap. It's just great. Uh, (laughs) I I, I like the experience and like there's it's a whole different side of the game and it really is fun. Um, But when it comes down to it, if if given the option, I kind of want to be like the thing that is farthest from me in the world. So Mm -hmm. if I'm joining almost any kind of game, I want to be like a big spiky toad creature. Uh, maybe male, like <laughs> just as as weird as I can get it, because I'm me every day, and I'm not impressed with that. Like I'm just sort of a normal thing. So why would I want to be me in that game? Why wouldn't I want to be something that's a little bit cooler or weird or an experience that I haven't had yet, which is right. like an orc. Well, and if it's going to be the fantasy, why it should be a fantasy? Yeah. So right. I I tend to go with like the angry. Oh bulky looking people which is really perplexing because I'm small and cute and look rather gnome-like so <laughs> like everyone expect me to be like human female maybe a mage and I'm just like undead warrior and they're like hey, we're going with it so. I carry a big axe thank you oh, very much the bigger the better just huge axe if I have to drag it behind me like I'm ready <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny I spent the majority of my time in World of Warcraft playing a human warlock and oh, yeah. It's so funny that I, I will not go to any, like, DPS distance classes anymore. <laughs> like, Why? Why is that? Because I, so t- I got tired of being out of the action. Like, I mean, it was fun, and I got to a point where, you know, I had mastered my character, and I, I really enjoyed playing. But now I just want to be a melee character, and yeah. I, I just want to carry those big weapons, and I want to just, you know, chop people into bits. I feel the same way, where it's like... There's such a... I, I'm normally a Tauren druid, so I tend to be healer. Um, mm-hmm. I started off that because I was like, oh, that seems kind of easy. And it's something that people always need and probably wouldn't get mad at me for. So oh, I got, that was not right, was it? <laughs> kind of is, actually. Oh, okay. I, was, I was always in need and that felt good. Okay. Um, and I still love healing to this day. It's probably one of the easier things that, that comes to me. So like my mm-hmm. my talent is is healing. Um, but if I can get it like, all up in there with my warrior, I it is one of the most satisfying play experiences that I possibly can. I just go full berserker. Like I just go nuts and... If in almost any game, if I can just rush at someone's face and try to hit it, mm-hmm. I'm feeling good. But that's generally not how you play games. No. So uh, <laughs> I'm usually bad at those classes. And <laughs> if people say, do you want to go do a dungeon or play this game? And I go, yeah. And they're like, can you bring your useful class? And I go, <laughs> no. And they just know that it's going to be a very big adventure. They'll put up with for a lot of different reasons, but any kind, anytime I'm like a melee DPS of any kind, they're just like, well, this will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and bloody and time consuming. Yeah, and I'll die a lot, but I will never get mad about it. <laughs> I just, I know I'm, I'm essentially a liability for the entire group and we right. should have fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned, you mentioned Mass Effect. Did you play Mass Effect 3? I never actually got to it. I'm kind of a bad person with that. I've heard a lot about the ending and and so forth. Um, And I know that it it 
kind of fixed a lot of things that were annoying about like you know two and, and one particularly but um i i kind of side against the retake mass effect thing because i don't believe that every story needs to have a positive ending yeah yeah um and so I, I kind of like the artistic license that they really kind of pushed out there with it. I think that it could have been done maybe in a different way. But then again, I never played through to the end. So what do I know? Um, 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 but you played Mass Effect 2? Um, I played like a little bit of Mass Effect 2. I got like partway through it. I played a decent amount of Mass Effect 1. I kept like picking it up and putting it back down because it's such a long game to play. And <laughs> it really is. Like I don't I is. don't that, that is an MMO gamer, but I... Mass Effect and like most other narrative style games are like you have to be so on it at at all times. It's not just, you know, I can jump into an MMO and do nothing. I can go and like mine ore for a couple hours and that's how I decompress versus the other one where you are constantly engaged, making decisions, like, you know, having discussions. And it's kind of like when you get home from your job, whatever that job may be, or like a really long day and you kind of sit there and you're just like, do I want to make decisions? No, no, I want to like do herbalism. And then you might do that instead. So right. I, I want to go pick to... flowers, digital flowers, but yeah. flowers, yes. And finding like a good Saturday or something to really delve into these really, really huge, just behemoth games was always really difficult to me. It's why I tended to go towards um, indie games a lot more because those experiences no offense meant to them, but they tend to be a little bit shorter, so I can actually finish them in a consistent way. So they're a little bit cheaper, they're a little bit shorter, they're kind of like, you know, like the short stories that I write. They they feel mm. like the mm. size of my attention span is, is a little bit more zeroed in on that. And uh, that's why I can actually get through those ones a lot easier in a lot of those experiences too. So I, I tend to focus more on, on those. But yeah, the the big ones, God, great games. But <laughs> well, what what I'm having a what I'm doing a really really bad job of asking you uh-huh. is what it, what you, was your experience when you created your avatar for Mass Effect Two? You know, did I, you spend a lot of time on it? I usually do. Um, I kind of wanted to go guy, but I I ended up going femme at at the end. Like my. Avatar experience is usually, again, kind of different from me or just in general, exaggerated. I do Mm. something that if it's as short as it can be or as tall as it can be, I'm going to try it. Um, I want an experience that is um, like it doesn't have to look like me. I just want to look like whatever's cool or whatever kind of catches my eye or is interesting. And there's a lot of character development with that, too. Um, uh, Old Republic, I spent a lot of time designing characters for that, despite the fact that Old Republic is mostly what color character do you want to be? Yeah, uh, there's not that many choices. <laughs> what human are you? And I'm just yeah. like, oh, man. Um, but I, then I had a lot of time like uh, becoming like a Sith with a whole bunch of crazy scarring and weird stuff. And... Um, jumping into those games, uh, especially like, you know, with that, with that same element of just really in-depth experiences, decision-making and so forth, like the relationships that you start to build, I ended up more role-playing the character itself than I wish that I could have. Like, I want to pick that one so bad because I'm interested in that, but the character says that one. So I'm tending to go with like option B. Mm -hmm. And that can sometimes pay off in a really cool way and, and sometimes it can't. Um, I 
I wish that I regulated that a little bit more or that I played through like the first time as me. But um, seeing trying to like complete an entire storyline is generally how I tend to play those kind of games. Okay, that's that's what I was trying to ask. And (laughs) apparently after a hundred and so episodes, I can't seem to get to the point. So. Yeah, you're supposed to say me, Regina. You're the word woman. I was getting there. So. <laughs> I should have warned you. I just need to shut up more. So. No, 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 not no. at all. <laughs> but no, I actually took your, your guys' quiz. Oh, you did? Yeah, I thought that, that was really, really awesome. Um, there's like... It, it was easy. I was just like, I'm going to get like a role player or something. Like that, that kind of thing. Um, but... Obviously, I do focus in a lot more on the story elements of a lot of those games. So kind of building myself into those worlds feels really satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was a conscientious objector to number 13. There was question number 13, which is like, a gamer is, and then listed three things. And I'm like, no, that's not, no, that you can't, you can't say that. You, you don't. <laughs> we don't know what a gamer is. A gamer is any of those things. And it should be like, I was like, okay, so I'll answer if I, as a gamer, I am this, 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 mm-hmm. um, which I felt a little bit more comfortable with. But I think that in terms of like classifying similarly to what is games, who is a gamer or what is a gamer? Um, I think that we should always have an open mind about that mm-hmm. because I've met people who, you know, like they'll, they might not have an outlet for it, but they will still do that. And really awkward story. But I went into to get my car serviced and I had a World, World of Warcraft sticker and someone was like, oh, man, that's from World of Warcraft. And I was like, yeah, I love Warcraft. And they're like, oh, I, I can't play games anymore. And I was like, oh, I'm OK. Well, why is that? And he's like, I lost my job by playing too much FIFA. And I was like, oh, okay. So were you playing online or anything? And he's like, no, just at home. But he like, he was addicted to FIFA. And I understood because we've all like had those moments of, oh God, like I, I just, I just want to keep playing. Can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And FIFA's Mm -hmm. like actually a really engaging game too. But it was such a weird thing to walk in there and have about a 10 minute conversation where this guy was just talking about FIFA because he had nobody else to talk about video games with. Mm. And that was, that was the extent of like, his experience with it, which is, um, I love games so much, but I can't play them because I lost my job. And then everyone else in the office is there and kind of looking at him sideways, like what, like it it might as well to them, they had no idea what witchery he was discussing, why he was saying that so openly to a complete stranger. But I was just like, I get you, man. This was like, this was 12 years ago. So this was, you know, the advent of the gamer had barely been invented at Mm -hmm. that time. Um, but I think that, you know, that guy who played nothing but FIFA and not even in a social aspect is just as much of a gamer as someone who picks it up every month or so. Cause maybe they're busy or, you know, it, it depends on how passionate or excited or interested you are in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can say that you're a gamer so long as you play games. And I don't think that we should ever point out who is or isn't just because of, you know, what they do or don't do. So yeah, I, I totally agree. That's, yeah. that was one of the reasons why I, I had that question that was the first question I asked during the dissertation interviews. Really? The very first question I asked was, how do you define a gamer? And um, when, we, when we first started the show, that was the first question we asked as well. We moved it down. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I realized that it, it's 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 a big question for people, and it's not something they think about generally. Yeah. You know, you, you just sort of take it for granted. Well, you know, oh, if you play games, you're a gamer or whatever definitions. But you would be surprised if you look back at the research I did or even on the show, the different definitions people come up with That's and good. and how they do. And it was something you mentioned in your um, how do you define a video game thing. You know, people privilege their own experience. Mm-hmm. And want to sort of push that experience onto other people, and defining a video game and defining a gamer kind of have that same tension going on, where people want their experiences to be the experience, as opposed to having that. You can step back and say, you know, yeah, you play words with friends, you play this, you play that, you're still a gamer, mm-hmm. you know. So long as you identify as it, yeah. I don't think there's a, a problem with that. And yeah. more and more, we we seem to uh, be moving backwards into kind of an isolated world where, oh, you're not a gamer. Um, and and we're, we're trying to kind of close our doors to things like social games or, oh, you mm-hmm. can't take that seriously or, or so forth. Right. And I don't like seeing that happen. Yeah, I don't um, either. Because, uh, you know, I talked about my sister a lot and we used to play a lot of games as a kid, but I tried to buy her The Sims. And so I was like, here, here's this Sim game thing and you should like it. And she really loved it. Um, and I was hoping it would be kind of like a like a, a gateway to more games. Mm-hmm. And I kept buying her games and things and here's this and you would love these things. And th- there's there's a game called Madden. You love football. You can make your own team, man, and then you can play them. And so I, I was really trying to get her involved with anything I could. And it ends up that she just played more Sims. <laughs> and and then she got her own GameCube because uh, Sims played better on the GameCube and then upgraded her computer because they were like more. And that's all she did was just it was just Sims for days. She just and found I was like, a game. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, oh, OK, well, that's it's a little disappointing, but that's OK, too. <laughs> that's all right. Um, and nowadays, I don't think she would identify as a gamer. But, you know, at the same time, for someone who plays only Sims, uh, there are still people who are like the, the magical like just creativity of people Mm -hmm. who play is really fascinating even within that world so Mm -hmm. we just can't be like oh man sims that's 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 like that's a crappy game for bad people uh meanwhile they're creating like these incredible mods and getting more experience with unity and and like maya than i would ever have Mm -hmm. so they're getting more into the game dev side of things just by being a part of this so i really can't knock anyone else's experience with it you know yeah i agree i agree when I first started the research, I told my hairdresser at the time what I was doing, and he went over and grabbed another one of the hairdressers who apparently would play games on her cell phone Oh yeah, on her break and brought her over to talk to me about being a gamer. And I was telling her about my research and she looks me straight in the eye and she's like, but I'm not a gamer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> and does she not feel like one or does she feel yeah. like there's a culture that she's not a part of? Yeah, she felt because it was a casual game, because it was a phone game, because it wasn't uh, sit at a console or sit at a PC in game that 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 excluded her from it. And I and I said, you know, I said, I'm looking at, you know, any kinds of games people play, yeah, you know, um, mobile games or tabletop games or whatever, you know, LARPing, role-playing, whatever it is that you do. I said, you know, I look at all that as encompassing gaming and people who on a regular basis engage in this as an, you know, a favorite thing to do or a favorite hobby or something like that, I think are gamers. And she's like, oh, well, I'll have to think about that. Um, but, but her first initial reaction was, you know, well, yeah, I play this little game on my phone, but I'm not a gamer because, you know, and this was, God, that was 
five or six years ago now. So mm-hmm. a lot's changed and where people are talking about it way more than they had been casual and hardcore and just kind of like going into more, you know, looking at mobile games more as serious gaming as opposed to this like, you know, dismissive thing. So and I also think that's really fascinating. It's like it's it can be the extent that you play or the extent mm-hmm. that you want to be a part of that culture. Exactly. Um, and, you know, you get a lot of the fake geek girl things and like the not a yeah. real gamer kind of kind of people and, and things. Mm-hmm. And um, like we can't just keep going around and thinking that everything that isn't us is malicious. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> or is bad or is less than because it's not our experience. Yeah. Like yeah. We, we can't like judging other people based upon those like we all judge a little bit again i judge my sister i was really sad i i wanted a rating partner but she would have just been a human mage and we would have had problems because i was horrid at that time um, <laughs> it would have been difficult uh but you know there was there was a lot of those um like experiences that we can't help but feel mm-hmm. but have to respect in a lot of ways because right. you never know what their experiences would be like if they had more games at their disposal like right for a long time in my life, I wasn't playing a lot of games. And even nowadays, I still don't play nearly as many as I know about and talk about and experience. Um, There's so many games out there. And the fact that I, like, you know, haven't played Lord of the Rings online or have not played Borderlands 2, surprisingly enough, does that, do I have to, like, hand in my gamer card? Right. Do do I lose all cred? (laughs) There are things that I should do. And games take a really long time and mm-hmm. they cost a lot of money and it's an investment in your life. And, you know, even when I was working at Riot Games, I didn't play a lot of League of Legends most of the time. And it's not that I didn't know a lot about it or like it. It was mostly like, you know, the game itself was was a very strenuous game on me. It's I want to play it when I'm excited to play, but if I'm tired or if I'm in any way, I didn't really want to play it as much. Right. And in addition to that, I was focusing on my job. Like right. I was really good at making videos, yeah. but I sucked at the game. And, <laughs> and a lot of people, they said that that invalidated me. Like she doesn't even play. And I'm like, I do. I just don't play the way that you play. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to be plat ranked. I'm barely going to make it out of silver. Like I, I'm probably just in the bronze league, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because just like the experience. people, yeah, just like the people on the mm-hmm. show, those people are really great at making art, but they're probably not going to be great at the game. You know, right. They'll play Sona because they like Sona, but they might not be good at her either. Right. So, yeah. Well, I hate to cut us off before (laughs) before we close. (laughs) Is there is there anything that either of you want to throw out there before I (laughs) I shut us off? Oh, Oh, I I did want to hear what you came back on the quiz, Nika. You didn't didn't actually say. (laughs) I was the role player, actually. I I was like just overwhelmingly percentage. Like, it was just. You, you you crazy role player you is what it came back to. And I was like, I need to the description. I know that it's me. Like I could totally look at it. Um, yeah, that was going to be my guess. Even before we talked to you on the show, that was going to be my guess for you. Yeah, like I, I can see that so mm-hmm. easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. I use games as a lot as an escape, but that also means like um, that I'm escaping as a different person as well. Like, right. you know, so it's, mm-hmm. it's quite fun in that regard, kind yeah. of melting those two things. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Regina and I have been huge fans of Geek and Sundry since its inception. And now, I mean, we're just enamored with the vlogs that they've added. And so, especially after after watching so much of yours and being immersed, we're just so excited you were with us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for for allowing me to be on the show. And you guys asked really interesting questions. We had like just 
great discussions, you know, and yeah. I I'm feel like I did something productive with my day now. So I feel really <laughs> So I'm probably going to go like clean the house. <laughs> so thank you uh, preemptively for my clean house, which will occur about an hour. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's, that's a new one for us. We're going to have to put that up on the site oh, at no. some point. Game on, girl, inspiring clean houses everywhere. <laughs> My I house is it. seriously a mess. Like, I need to do this. And now I feel like, yeah, I can. This awesome. is good. <laughs> well, where can uh, our listeners go find your stuff online? Um, you can definitely get most of my stuff through my website. Uh, this is Nika.com. It usually links to all of that stuff. Um, I'm on the Geek and Sundry vlogs, so type that into YouTube. I have my own YouTube channel where I talk about uh, writing and uh, and some video gameplay when it's just a Saturday night and I'm, I have a like, bottle of vodka and have a good time. <laughs> um, it's nice. Uh, and uh, I am also doing a sort of kickstarter-ish thing it's called patreon and that is a um per project uh like supported uh funding thing so for every two short stories that i write and for every two videos you can pledge a certain amount to like keep me helping do them and it's been fantastic so far and the people who are like just incredibly supportive so more more content on my my uh, channel and definitely more writing coming out just because of that kind of stuff so I want to thank everybody who's helped me with that too that's great that sounds fantastic yeah it's really great for a lot of the content creators I've seen like so many of my friends are also kind of jumping in on that same uh, Mm -hmm. like kind of on the same boat and it's been working out great like yeah nobody's had a negative experience with it they're just like oh wow this is it's amazing um yeah so all right, well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. <laughs> We've been th- talking to Nika Harper, so you guys go out there and check her out. This is our rap segment where we talk about how we've been geeking out with what we've been watching, reading, and playing. So, Regina, what have you been watching? Um, well, I finished Fringe. Oh. oh. So, what did you think of the last season? I I like the last season. I, I know and I've had some friends who I've talked to about the show who were uh, disappointed at the sort of um, the turn it took and the future storyline, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I really liked it, and I liked the way it wrapped up at the end. And there were some pretty heavy-duty uh, emotional moments I had watching the last couple of episodes of it. So I can always appreciate that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that season. Then. Yeah, I, I would love to. I'd love to have you have that as part of your your wrap segment at some point, so we can kind of compare notes. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to give it away, but there's there's one sort of main thing that kind of happens that I really want to chat with you about. Oh, okay. How to pick that up. And the other thing that I just caught up on the most recent episodes of How I Met Your Mother. And what was the last, what's the last episode you saw? The last episode I saw was um, How Your Mother Met Me. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one. Oh, my God. You need to see that one. Yeah, I, um... I think I am at the one just right before that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it was um, last week's, I think, episode, if I'm not mistaken. It's their 200th, I think, episode as well. Oh, wow. Um, well, and, I'm really glad you encouraged me to go back and finish the season. Yeah, it's 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 hard because it is a different and it is a little like Fringe where it's, you know, deviated from what we know and love about the show. Um, but I swear that 200th episode has made all of it just mm 
worthwhile. So, and that's, but I know it's putting a lot of weight on it and you're probably gonna be like, ah, this isn't all that good because I I put so much on it, but no, it it really did. I was, I was watching it and I watched it last night and I was like, this this, this is good. This is good. I'm, I'm satisfied with this, which is, you know, a big thing to say. So, Yeah. yeah. So what have you been watching? Well, I watched Sherlock again last week. Um, the new season's out, at mm-hmm. least on PBS. It's it's done on BBC. And my goodness, they, I mean, they just hit it out of the ballpark every time. Awesome. I was worried because it was it was fairly different than the pattern of their other episodes. But at the same time, they reveal new layers they um, reveal more about the characters and just, oh, the writing is phenomenal. It's just nice. unbelievable. Yeah. Awesome. And then we finally uh, started watching the very last season of Dexter. So ah. I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, I started that show and I never, I, some shows I have to not watch by myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I had started watching Dexter and I got, at the time I was getting the DVDs from Netflix and I was like, I'm not really enjoying this. So <laughs> it's one of those I might go back to it at some point, but I don't really have a, a strong draw to it anymore. So I know people love it. And I know. Well, maybe. I just, I have, I have a, I think a strange detachment to some shows like mm. that. I, I know that I used to be a whole lot more emotionally involved, but now I just sort of sit and list and I just, I just, I take it as the creator is giving it to me and I'm like, huh, okay, given this situation, then what happens Mm -hmm. and I sort of watch it a little more distantly than usual but that that may be a bad thing too because I need uh, that filters flipped yeah (laughs) need to filter a little bit more yeah I don't know that's funny but what are you reading right now um I changed it up a little bit I had started a book uh, Tamara Pierce, a new right. series. And then um, it just didn't hook me quite the way I had wanted it to. Yeah. So I, I discovered, and this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous, that I had a book downloaded on my Kindle that I hadn't read. Um, oh, no, that didn't sound ridiculous. Okay, good. Because <laughs> this is the first time this has happened to me. I usually like download and start reading them immediately. But I think I had pre-ordered this. It's another series by Cassandra Clare. Um, it's A Clockwork Prince, which is the second in her uh, Infernal Devices series, um, which is linked to uh, The Mortal uh, Instruments, which is another series you might have. They did a movie of the first book over the summer. Um, And it's another young adult series. So this is the, these are the prequels to that series, the one they did the movie of over the over the summer. So, um, so I decided to jump into that and just do something completely different than what I had been doing. And I'm enjoying it a lot more. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea. I talked to uh, my friend Ray about that. We, we would get concentrated on one author mm-hmm. and read it and read it and read it. And it's like, you know what? I know this is a good book, but for some reason I'm not enjoying it. So I'm going to leave it alone for a right, while. Right. Exactly. Sometimes you just have to kind of change it up a little. And I think I got a little too solipsistically focused just to, to, yeah. you know, pinpointed on one thing. So, uh, shaking it up a little bit, I think is going to be good for me. So what have you been reading? Well, last time we talked, I believe I mentioned that I was reading the amazing adventures of Cavalier and clay. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to set that aside. Mm. It's, um, it's a very intense book. The, the writing is, um, 
I've been trying to figure out a way to describe it, but it would be like if you were to pick up a, if you were to be reading, um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name and I can't think of it right now, but a more modern story. And then you picked up a Jane Austen book. Oh, and the language is thicker. The, the, uh, it's heavier. There's, there's more time and depth and richness in it. Mm-hmm. And I, just have not got the attention span right now for it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I took uh, one of our listeners suggestions and picked up um, the ocean at the end of the lane by Neil Gaiman. Mm. And is definitely what I'm ready to read right now. I just cool going through it and I haven't even read any reviews. I don't know what it's about. And so I'm just taking it cold. <laughs> That's nice. Sometimes it's really good to do that. I remember um, finding it like cheap second run movie theater and just going to see things that I had never heard of because I had no expectation of them. Yeah. And you get to really enjoy it because you're not going in with that. Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Like I just did with you and how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's worked out so far. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, what are you playing right now? Uh, I haven't really had a whole lot of time in my hands in the last uh, since we since we last wrapped. Um, so I've been mostly doing uh, phone games. Um, I was playing Seven Elements on um, my iPad, uh, which I still love, and I'm I'm getting slightly better at. Um, again, with those timed games, and I think I've given you this suggestion before. I always turn the sound off, and oh, I was trying yeah. at first to play it with the sound on because it has some really great sound effects. Um, but there's something about the, the stimulus of the sound that takes me out of the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I turned off, I turned off the sound and I started getting much better scores. So. <laughs> Good. Uh, but so I'm pretty much just playing games that are on my phone. Um, I have gems and words with friends and that's pretty much what I've been focused on the last uh, couple weeks or so. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's that's just, what I was doing for all of first of January. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's just kind of the time I have, you know, things that I'm juggling that are keeping me distracted. So I'm like. Yeah. All of minutes I can play, I can play and get that in. And I, I have been, my friend David has been giving me a bad time because I've got The Walking Dead sitting on my computer waiting for me to play it. Oh, man. <laughs> that he kindly gifted to me. <laughs> he keeps reminding me, he's like, I checked Steam and I see you haven't been logged on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm busy. It happens. It does. It does. It, well, this too shall pass. So. Yeah. so what have you been playing? Well, I actually picked up uh, Left 4 Dead 2 a little bit this past weekend and remembered how much I love it Mm -hmm. and trying to trying to get a regular play date going with some friends and stuff it's just always really hard yeah yeah um but I got a surprise today Ooh. yes my my friend Erin who um I look back I think it was episode 15 we interviewed her family yeah her and her kids saving the universe you know um sent me an early early birthday present uh a a board game called Forbidden Desert oh yeah yeah from the guys who made uh Forbidden Island yeah yeah. And so I, oh, man, that just interrupted my whole day. I've, on top I've heard of really good things about Forbidden Desert. Yeah. On top of Nika's videos, and then uh, <laughs> I busted open Forbidden Desert and started reading the instructions. And I actually, we, we actually played 
about 35, 40 minutes before the show. <laughs> nice. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, wow, a, so that's it's a great. That's a play. <laughs> Aaron, thank you, Tusky family. Oh, that's fun. That's yes, very fantastic. excited. Yeah. Great replay value. Excellent yeah. replay value. And easy. It's just like Castle Panic. It's extremely easy to teach mm-hmm. and to immediately jump in. It's what um, I call a warm-up game. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. it's really nice. Yeah. Before you get into Elder Sign or something else that takes a while. Yeah. <laughs> Focus or pandemic yeah we started out with pandemic on our last game day oh yeah it didn't go well yeah i think yeah i I tweeted some of the pictures it really didn't go well what was really funny though was that we've been watching all these outbreaks of red and it, <laughs> yeah and it turned out because we were like really caught because we had like four you know and we had like one more outbreak and we were going to lose the game and then it was bleeding san francisco that's like oh, on the other man. side. It's blue. It was the only blue on the whole board. And that was the one that outbreak and we lost the game. And we were like, really? San Francisco, you got to sneak up on us like that? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. Well, yeah, the same, the same kind of thing happened this past week. And we were playing um, Defenders of the Realm. And for Christmas, um, Scott had gotten the expansion, which is f- uh, three new generals mm-hmm. in the game. And, and we were just slaughtered. <laughs> we were on fire. We were dying it was it was just the uh, land was overrun with dragons yeah yeah it was awesome yeah and it's fun you know <laughs> it's so awesome. it's fun to lose those games it really is i think so yeah i, I totally so. i totally agree i mean it, i have more fun losing those games sometimes than i do the ones that i win so well it's like my husband said if it if it's if it's not exciting wh- why would you want to do it if it doesn't make the highlight real exactly right Exactly. Well, we'd love to hear about what you're watching, reading, and playing, or if you got an event that made a highlight reel, let us know. You've been listening to Game on Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website at GameOnGirl.com. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me at on Twitter at RoRoom. That's R-H-O. R-H-O-O-M, or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I am now on Tumblr and Instagram. And I was playing around with, um, I registered a couple of weeks ago, but I was playing around with it this morning. And I was like, you know what? This this clicks. Mm. This totally clicks. So that may be where a lot of my stuff comes from. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. People swear by Tumblr. I have a Tumblr. I have a Game On Girl Tumblr, but I have yet to catch the bug or really figure out how to use it so yeah my tumblr has got nothing but just um interesting geeky um news articles on it right yeah. now yeah. i've just been reading and i was like oh man that's zombie bees i have got to remember that <laughs> cow flagellants starts fire yep i got to have that <laughs> Oh, and I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz on Twitter and Steam. Uh, Huge thanks to Nika Harper for joining us on the show today. And I have to apologize because in her introduction, I called her new show Story Time, and it is actually Story Mode. So my apologies for for mixing up the the words there. Um, So make sure to check her out, subscribe to her YouTube channel. As we said before, if you're not subscribed to Geek and Sundry and to the Geek and Sundry vlog channel, you guys are really missing out on some fantastic geeky content. So get out there, get your YouTube subscriptions up to date, and make sure to like your videos because that gives them, you know, great feedback. And comment where appropriate because, you know, everybody loves feedback. 
just like we do. <laughs> and you can leave feedback for us on our site, gameongirl.com, where you can also find links to our RSS feed, including iTunes and Stitcher streaming. Uh, you can now subscribe to our RSS uh, directly from the site on the, on the sidebar. You can enter in your email and subscribe to the RSS feed. So if that's something that um, of interest to you, you can find us right there. So this podcast is brilliantly edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media. And the theme song, Good Day by Triple Fox, is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on. Thank you.